0: Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Hey, business storytellers. That's right. Let's go. Let's talk about customer experience today. How do we get customers, number one, to come back, and number two, get them to become loyal customers? And who better to ask about that topic than Shep Hyken himself, one of the foremost thought leaders out there when it comes to customer experience and Customer service and, and all those different things. His new book is coming out um, in September here. Um, I'll be back. If you are watching on Amazon Live, that is highlighted. That is the featured item on there. And I believe you can pre order it right now. And if you're watching this later on, of course, you can grab it. Right then, let's get Shep out of the green room and get the party started. Find out how do we get people to become repeat customers and then loyal customers. Shep, welcome hey. to the show.
1: Great to be here. I'm excited. Uh, you know, and I love that the idea of customer experience ties into telling the story because remember, uh, Bonnie Raitt had a great song. Let's give them something to talk about, right? Let the customers tell your story. And if you do a great job and deliver that experience that they want, you've got a great product that they love. It's a winning combination that can't be beat.
0: Well, and I I mean, honestly, I think everything goes back to storytelling. We just had the the Field of Dreams game in Iowa here an hour from me. And the storytelling around that was just unbelievable. Uh, Did you watch it?
1: No, I didn't. But I know if you build it, they will come.
0: It it doesn't always come.
1: work. It doesn't always work in business. <laughs> uh, you got to do a little bit more than just build it. But you know what? Build it right. Treat them right, as in the customer, and they'll come and they'll come back.
0: Absolutely. So tell tell us about the new book. I'll be back. What what inspired that? And sure. And hey, and, and check it out
1: uh, here. Look at this. I'll be back. Beautiful. How to get customers to come back again and again? This book. Um, I started writing this. Um, gosh, pre-COVID, and about three or four pages into my outline and some of the summary I realized I'll be back. These are some famous words by a guy named Arnold Schwarzenegger in the Terminator. But when he came back the first time it was to blow up the police station. This book is about getting customers to want to come back. And I play a little bit with Terminator terminology and talk a little bit about winning the Arnie, which is when your customers do say I'll come back and they actually do. And I just wanted to share some new ideas and new thoughts on what it takes to get customers to want to come back again and again.
0: So, I mean, that's of course always the the million dollar question, right? What does it take um, take to have customers come back? I mean, I'm just thinking about my own behavior, Shep. You know, sometimes it's uh, if I use a product all the time, it's really hard for me to leave. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about Directv, for example. I mean, everybody is cutting the cord, and here I am. No, I can't leave DirecTV. That's what we do. Watch the games.
1: <laughs> you know what? You want to know why you can't leave it? Because it's sticky. Uh, it's you know. Look, think of the friction and the pain you're going to go through to switch from something you've been used to using for so long to trying something new. It's not always easy, and it and it hurts a little bit. But let me share with you. I mean, some by by the way, that's real important. There's a chapter in the book about the difference between repeat business in oil business. Now we're getting ahead of what I usually talk about, but that's okay. Let's, this is a really good topic. The reason you stay with direct TV is it's easier than switching. And if you cut the cord and you bought your stations that you might, you know, the premium stations, you can buy them individually. You can go on YouTube TV. You can save all kinds of money doing it, you know, your way. But it's just easier. So repeat business is exactly that. And I love repeat business, by the way, we want all of our customers to be repeat customers. But there's another level that goes beyond repeat business, and that's loyal business. And when you understand why customers come back and do business with you again and again, uh, you'll determine whether it's because it's easier. You know, for example, I, I wrote a book a few years ago titled The Convenience Revolution. And convenience back then was a differentiator. Well, today, it has to be convenient or your customer is going to go somewhere else just like you have to provide great service but if you ask your customer why do you go to this store instead of a different store and they go because it's the closest one to me oh well that's nice but what happens when a competitor comes in uh that gets even closer does that mean that customer now leaves and goes to that business instead of the one they were apparently loyal to so loyalty is is different than repeat business so we have to understand Loyalty is typically rooted in some type of an emotion. Uh, You trust the company. You like people in the company. Uh, The consistent and predictable experience means you know what you're going to get. And because you know it, you're confident about doing business with them. All that ties to emotion. Um, If you think about it another way, um, there's many reasons why customers go back and do business with companies. The airlines, for example, are a perfect example of uh, what they call a loyalty program, which is actually a marketing program. And that is you fly on our airline, we're to give you miles, and they call that a loyalty program. Well, giving me miles is about marketing me to go on your airline to keep accumulating miles. Why do I use that airline? That's where I have the most miles. That's who's giving me the most free tickets. But if all the airlines were to take the miles away as a perk and just were all even, no, it you know, doesn't make any difference. Would you still fly on that airline? So understanding repeat business versus loyalty. It's big and it's important to know the difference.
0: Yeah, I was kind of uh, I was very intrigued when I saw, you know, in the book, you talk about the difference. And I didn't think about that before. I don't think. And just really quickly on airlines. I mean, I know we can go down this rabbit hole, but I am loyal to American Airlines. And every time somebody says, oh, American Airlines is so bad and whatever, like I actually defend them or or sometimes I just let it go. I do as well. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I get American Airlines. You know, they they treat me well. Like, for example, we're we're having a trip to Hawaii and the, the flights are already changed. They just changed it. Not a big deal. You know, everything is just perfect. Would I fly them if I wasn't executive platinum? I don't know. I don't know. Delta's first class seats, I think, are a little nicer, Maybe. I don't know. You know, so I don't, I don't know. It's kind of, but it's kind of interesting. We're a long ways from me not being a loyal American Airlines right. customer. I'm a, I'm a
1: big American Airlines fan as well. I will admit it. Uh, I go for the A. Been, been on their frequent fire program since I believe when it started in 1984 wow. or something like that. Might give or take a couple of years. And uh, yeah, I have almost 7 million miles logged with them. Th- those are miles, not credit card points, not hotel points. Those are Okay. Real miles. And uh, it's a badge of honor, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's miles. Travel all
1: over the world now or not. I mean, it's really been interesting in the last year. But there, there's another example. What did American. And by the way, the other airlines did it as well. They said, hey, we're not going to take away your status because you didn't fly. We're going to extend it through. Mm-hmm. You know, they extended it actually through to 19. Or, I'm sorry, not 19. 2023 now. January 23. Because they realized. People aren't flying much this year. And with the variant that's happening around the world, you're starting to see countries open up and shut down for travel again. So uh, anyway, uh, enough of that. There's a really important question that you were starting to ask earlier in our conversation. And it had to do with what it takes to get customers to come back. And I I think it's important to understand some fundamentals. Um, And this, by the way, is in every one of the books I've written. This is my eighth book. And I always include a chapter on what it takes to be amazing because people think that to get customers to come back again and again, to create an amazing experience, it's got to be over the top, blow them away. It's the only way they're coming back. And that is not it at all. You will have chances every once in a while. And it could come because you might just see opportunity to do something special for a customer, or you may... um, there may be a problem that comes your way and the customer's upset and you not only fix it the right way, but you do it in such a way where they go, wow, you guys are just incredible. Those are going to happen, but day in and day out, this is what I want you to think about better than average all the time. So understanding that every interaction is an opportunity for you to manage the experience and be amazing. Doesn't mean you have to be over the top. As I said, on a scale of one to five, where one is lousy service, terrible service, Five is amazing service. Average is in the middle. That's three. So you'd have bad, fair, average, or satisfactory, uh, very good, and then excellent or amazing. Three is in the middle. If you can perform just a tiny bit better than a three, and it could be as much like ten percent better, and I get that number from Horst Schultz, who is the co-founder and first president of the Ritz Carlton. He says, when you're better than average all of the time, you can create a brand that's recognized around the world for excellence. And that's what he did with the Ritz Carlton. And I asked him, how much better than average do you have to be? 10% better. So on a scale of one to five, three plus 10%, 3.3 is better than average, 10% better than average. And that, if you can perform at that level or a little bit higher, All of the time, you will probably get a lot of fives on that scale of one to five. That's the idea behind being amazing. It's not about over the top. It's better than average, all the time.
0: We got Romanica Flischet. I I hopefully I didn't butcher that. Too bad. Very true. I agree as well, Chef. Now. Um, when I think of that, I mean, just staying with the American Airlines example. So if I knew Doc Parker, which I don't, their, their CEO, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, he's doing the right things. And I know there's plenty of debate about that out there. But let's say <laughs> I have a positive image of him. I don't see him. Right. Who I see is the flight attendant, sometimes the captain, um, the people, you know, if if I have to actually stop at the counter. So when we talk about just above average, who actually has to do that? I mean, is it everybody? or, or It's how does everybody's
1: job. So, you know, we talk about this, too. You know, customer service is not a department. It's a philosophy to be embraced by everybody in an organization. And that's hard for people to understand if they're totally behind the scenes. Let's stay with the airline example. Uh, many years ago, a gentleman named Jan Carlson, who ran Scandinavian Airlines when it was not doing well, and he turned it around to be successful, came up with the idea of the moment of truth. Anytime customers come into contact with any aspect of a business, they form an impression. Now, he ran an airline. So uh, he said impressions could be good and bad. Well, they can also be average, as I mentioned. And by the way, average is not good because nobody complains when you're average. The only way you have a chance to fix something is when somebody tells you something needs to be fixed. Anyway, I digress. He said it's everybody's job, even people who don't necessarily deal with the passenger. For example, when I check my bag, I'm here in St. Louis, and let's say I'm going out to uh, New York. That's about a two and a half hour flight. Two and a half hours later, I land, and I go to the baggage carousel, if my bag is not there, that's a moment of misery. If it is there, it's just what it was supposed to happen. Now, what if it came up really fast? What if it was waiting for me when I got there? And I went, wow, that's pretty amazing. Then the next time I flew on American or any other airline that uh, you know I choose to fly on, but if, let's stay with American, because that's who you and I both love. Uh, I fly again and I show up, I go back to St. Louis, my bag's there again right? Almost the moment I walk up, I don't have to wait. This is great. This is not what I'm used to. Now, is having the bag show up on the baggage carousel exactly when it's supposed to show up? Is that over the top? No, it's what it's supposed to be. And getting there even a couple minutes earlier than I expected, that's a little better than average. But that person who accepts the bag it goes, like I checked my bag in St. Louis to go to New York, goes down that little conveyor belt, There's somebody down there, that person looks at the tag, makes sure it gets to the. maybe they scan it, they put it in a pile, it gets onto a cart, somebody drives the cart out, somebody puts it on the plane. There's usually about maybe a half a dozen or more people that are involved in touching that bag before it actually gets to the airplane. And then the same thing happens when the plane lands, people have to take it off, drive it over to the carousel, people unload it, et cetera, et cetera. Well, let's say that first person who looked at my bag, didn't put it in the right pile, and it ends up going on the wrong airplane. Now, that person never sees my smiling face, but they've now dramatically impacted the experience I'm going to have. When I land, there's going to be no bag. That's a moment of misery. Worse than that, they also let down their internal customer. And who is that? That's the poor soul that works in the baggage claim office where all the unhappy customers <laughs> who've lost their bags have to go and complain about getting their bag. And, and guess what? That person behind the front desk, it wasn't their, or behind the front desk, behind, uh, you know, the, the desk that they're, they're in that office, it wasn't their fault. But to the passenger, hey, you lost my bag. And now it's up for that employee to figure out how to fix this moment of misery Turn it around and hopefully restore the confidence of the passenger. That would be me to want to come back and do business with them the next time.
0: What I find interesting about that too, I'm always so. I, I first learned this in uh, in journalism. You know, I had an editor who said, "We say we, we don't say my editor said or my editor made the decision mm. or whatever. It's you as a reporter. I don't care if you're out of school for five seconds or whatever." you're a representative of the paper. And it's very similar here, right? Whoever is, um, whoever is talking to you, they're a representative and, and they're the ones who have to deal with the issue. Of course, you know they didn't have anything to do with it, but they still have to deal with it. So I think that's probably hard for that person. But how do you get everybody on board to, to, to have that mindset sure. and to, to work towards that?
1: Once again, a chapter in the book. I'll be back. <laughs> and I've written a lot about this before. To me, it, it, service is not a department. It's a philosophy. It's part of the culture. Customer experience is not just a strategy. It's ingrained into the company. And to make this happen, um, and, and I'll share, I'm going to abbreviate the process for the purpose of not going too long on this, but I'm going to give you this basic scenario or, or a process that, go, that, that will help. Uh, create that customer-focused culture. And number one is you have to define what that culture is in the in terms of customer experience or customer service. You might have vision statements, mission statements, value statements. Well, this is one sentence that belongs in one of those statements that can be pulled out and shared with everybody. This is what we believe when it comes to customer service. So, for example, um, we'll, we'll stay with the Ritz-Carlton since I mentioned uh, Schultz The uh, their nine word credo is we're ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. And that is the message. When you go to work there, you understand that it's not meant to be known by the public, although many people publicly know this uh, because it's 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 a great concept. Um, If you think about Ace Hardware, the helpful hardware place, they're just not going to deliver good service. They're going to deliver helpful service. And I've heard people over and over again say, yeah, I love my Ace Hardware. Whenever I have a question, I'm building something. I go up there. They tell me exactly what I need. That's helpful. And that's what they want to be known for. Now, uh, that is an external message, but it's also been baked internally into their culture. That's step one. Define it. Number two, communicate it over and over again so it's heard. Make sure everybody's trained to it. And I mean everybody. You know, I mentioned uh, the baggage handler. The baggage handler has to know his or her role when it comes to the customer experience. It's easy for the people on the front line to understand when they're interacting with customers, but they have to understand if they don't do their job properly, how that impacts the service and experience down the road. Uh, So you're training everybody. Uh, Leadership has to be the role model. One of my favorite examples of this comes from Walt Disney. When he was alive, he would go through the theme park and everybody who worked there, the cast members, that's what they called employees, everybody knew there's Mr. Disney, and he would go and talk to his cast members, talk to the guests in the theme park, get on a ride. If he saw a piece of paper on the ground, he didn't look around for somebody else to pick it up. He stooped down himself and picked it up and threw it away. He called that stooping to excellence, and this was his thought. If he walks by that piece of paper and he knows people are watching him, he's giving permission for everyone else to do the same, so he's going to be that role model. If we're going to deliver an amazing experience, our executive team, our leaders, our owners, doesn't matter how big or small the business is, managers, they have to walk the talk. They have to live that mantra, that one sentence that I mentioned that you have to use to define what the experience is going to be. And you know what else? They've got to treat employees the way you want customers treated because if you want something to happen great on the outside, it's all starting on the inside. Um couple other thoughts is that leadership needs to defend the culture if it's going out of alignment and finally if it's all working let people know it's working let them know they're doing a great job celebrate it and so that's that's a process that if you think about it you define it you communicate it you train people to it uh, leadership is ro- a role model the culture is defended and you celebrate it when it works that is the process that will help take your company to become uh you know to, to an average company to a customer focused company
0: it all starts with having the right the right motivation the right reasoning behind anything you do so i mean people become repeat customers for one reason or another right so what are some of those reasons and then what are some of the reasons that people become loyal customers
1: Sure. So, I mean, uh, again, we talked a little bit about this. The emotional connection is what creates loyalty. But what makes people want to come back again and again is the experience meets their expectation. The product does what it's supposed to do. And by the way, you can't have a great service experience and a lousy product because people say, well, they treat me great, but the product doesn't work. I guess I'll have to go find it somewhere else. On the flip side, if you've got the most amazing product in the world, but you're not treated well, customers are going to say, I'm, I'm not coming back either. I mean, think about it. I go to a restaurant, best food ever, but the server was so mean and nasty to us. They didn't treat us right, didn't even say thank you, wasn't there when I needed them. You know, the food was good, but I'm not coming back. So that's that's the whole, I mean, that's what we're dealing with. You need the combination of the two, a product that does what it's supposed to do and the experience. Now, here's what's cool. Oftentimes, what most people sell is a commodity even if they don't think it is, it is. I mean, even at my b- business, I'm a um, I'm basically I look at myself as a customer service expert or a customer experience expert. And you hire me to speak on a platform, on a stage somewhere around the world to an audience of either employees or, you know, industry executives that are coming together. You know what? There's many other people that can do what I do. Now, I'm not a commodity from the standpoint of I have a personality that may differentiate me and my expertise may stand out a little bit more than some others. But at the same time, if you know, you can go on to Google and just Google customer service speaker. You know, what? I'll probably end up on the first page, but same. There were half, another, uh, half a dozen other people that will as well. And that's why I got to decommoditize myself by creating something around uh, that Single experience of me speaking, and that is, uh, let's give them the experience. Let's give them the thought leadership that they might not get somewhere else. What differentiates me? It's usually the service and experience that does. Convenience also drives repeat business. We talked about that, and uh, there's a, the first part of convenience is eliminate the friction. Okay, if there's any friction, if I call you and you put me on hold for thirty minutes, that's friction. If you have to put me on hold, but you tell me you'll call me back with an automated, you know, system. Well, at least you're eliminating some of that friction. Um, If And there's so many different examples I can give you related to convenience. But you've got that basic friction. You've got self-service where I give you control. If you've got a problem or a question, you might be able to find it on my website or might find a video on a YouTube channel. Uh, That We find more and more with our research that uh, consumers as well as B2B customers are going – to companies' websites to look for content to help them with their problems before they pick up the phone and call for help. So that's important. Um, you know, accessibility, logistics. You know, I'd mentioned earlier if the uh, you know store is is closer than the competitor, that may be the reason the customers going to the store, uh, not because they love the store, they just love the location. You need to know these things, and then if it's just the location, what can we add to it to make sure that. If a competitor moved even closer, the customer would still want to do business with us. So um, I know I don't want to go over that again, but I think that's a really important concept to drill into everybody's mind.
0: You know, convenience is such an interesting thing, too. For example, I mean, I've been a repeat customer with Verizon for a long, long time. And, you know, you always get offers from everybody else, right? Like, come to us, come to us, and here's a better deal. And... You know, really, what I don't want to say this is the only thing that made me a loyal customer. I'm not going to, if anybody from Verizon is listening and my rate goes up a gazillion dollars, you know, <laughs> don't, we'll talk about it again. But I got a new phone, a new iPhone for my seven year old who now got a phone because for various reasons. But, you know, she doesn't get the new phone. I get the new phone. So I switched the numbers, right? The phones. And when I called, because it's not as easy to do as it sounds. They were just so helpful. They waited on the line with me while things were transferring and all. And they even said, oh, what what prompted you to, tra- to, to flip the phones? I'm like, oh, because the seven-year-old doesn't need the new phone. I'll get the new phone. She gets my older phone, right, like a year old or whatever it's been. Um, but that really helped with the loyalty, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, because of that experience. You know what I love? Um, and I won't tell you the name of the company I use, but their initials are AT&T. So – Anyway, that's that's a joke. Good. You're laughing. Just making
0: sure. I'm laughing.
1: But here's what I loved. I recently called them to ask them about my international plan. Um, And believe it or not, I I recently had an event in Mexico that I I actually was able to go to. And I wanted to make sure that I was able to um, get, you know, my my that I I remember before there was no problem calling in and out of Mexico is like having, you know, U.S., And I called to confirm that. And you know what the woman did? She was so nice. She confirmed it. And then she said, let me look at your account and make sure you're on the best plan for the money. And she goes, oh yeah, you're on a great plan. She confirmed that I was on the right plan. Now I have had this happen before. It's been a few years, but I've had somebody say, let me make sure you're on the right plan. And they switch me to a better plan. So I think that if they're constantly looking out for my best interest, why would I want to go anywhere else?
0: You know, it's so true. I actually ended up on a better plan as well. I forgot about that um, because the other stuff was so way above average. Um, and I'm not paying any more money, even though I added a line because I switched to a different plan that's better. And, you know, um, and even the same cost really quickly in the last minute, Chef. Um, how can companies get started? I mean, yes, they can read your book, and I, I hope everybody pre-orders it um, and, and gets it when it comes out on September 21st. But but um, how can companies think think about getting loyal customers, and what can they do in a nutshell?
1: In a nutshell, number one, you should know, why does a customer do business with me instead of them? No, what is your competitor doing that makes customers want to do business with them instead of you? And and by the way, if you're gonna to start to adapt some of that, make it your own, don't copy it. Look to companies you love doing business with outside of your industry and think what do they do that I love that I could bring into my business that my competitors aren't? Now you're looking for at best in class companies that are outside of your industry that you're going to bring into what you do. And that's going to start to separate you from your competition.
0: Fantastic. And I appreciate you keeping that really short, really quickly. Um, to learn more about your customers, check out voxpopme.com. Um, agile qualitative research with video. Chef was on their real talk, um, the customer insights show as well, a few months ago. Um, that's on the website. If you want to take a listen to that, chef really appreciate you joining me and sharing all your insights. Uh, always glad to chat with you
1: great to be here thanks for having me can't wait to come back as a matter of fact let's just promise it i'll be
0: back you'll be back thank you that's a wrap thanks for tuning in please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels and don't forget to share this episode with your networks we appreciate you until next time let the best stories win